Welcome to episode 18 of Friends of the Show. I am Stephen W. Skinner. This is the podcast where I talk to some of the funniest and most interesting friends I know. They're the friends of the show. This week's friend is Phil Stamato, a New York-based writer and comedian who contributes to Splitsider, a great comedy website. We have a great chat about how he went from classical phrases to comedy stages and have a great time along the way. Join us, won't you? Friends of the Show, episode 18 with Phil Stamato. Right now. In nova fertanimus mutatas fic reformas. Corpora. Di coitis nambos mutastis et illa, ad spirate meis primaqua borigine mundi, ad, ad mea perpetuum deducite tempora carmen. And that means something along the lines of, my mind takes me to speak of forms changed into new bodies. Gods, upon my beginnings, for you've changed those too, breathe. And from the first origin of the world to my own times, draw out a song eternal. Wowie, what a quote. So <laughs> welcome, Phil. The, today's guest is Phil Stamato. Welcome to the show, Phil. Uh, that was a, quite the quote. Thanks. You know, I do, I do my gosh darndest best. And uh, um, shout out to Ovid for letting us use that quote. Heck yeah. I'm sure he's very proud right now. He's like, yes, this is what I intended for my work to end up on podcasts. He finally cracked <laughs> the through the podcast barrier. So yeah. very interesting. Uh, not the first Latin quote. We have had one before, but definitely very interesting. And your pronunciation was, I'm assuming, spot on. Sounded I, perfect. I strive for it, you know. But we'll get into that later, why you can read that with such uh, aplomb. So a little bit for the listeners about you. Phil is a very funny guy who does comedy. He's a contributor to Split Cider, which is a great uh, comedy website. And you can check out all of his stuff at philstomato.com. But I guess before I start uh, the show, um, we should mention how to pronounce your name. Am I doing it correctly? Stomato. So some people say stomato. <laughs> right? Is, have you ever heard that joke before, Phil? Is that uh, yeah. something that follows you around? Um, people wanted me to ask that. Uh, do you say stomato or do you say stomato? Stomato, stomato. And uh, yeah, I've heard uh, there's, that's one of the things I hear a lot. Uh, here also, what's stomato with you? I like that one a lot. Oh, that is good. Yeah, it's like if I ever start my own podcast, I'll, I'll call it Phil Stomato with you or something like that. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> I guess it does. You know, there's bright sides to, to having a, a name like that where people exactly. go walk into the obvious joke every single time. Me and Mark uh, McGark were talking about this the other day where it's like every time we say our name, it's kind of like uh, Groundhog Day where you like you repeat the same <laughs> interaction. <laughs> yeah, you have to explain every single time. Right. It's not like really annoying or anything. It's just like. I'm used to it. Yeah, you get but used to Mark, it. Every it, time it's always the same one for Mark where it's just like, is that really your name? And he's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, shout out to Mark McGark at Markedly on Twitter, one of uh, my favorite friends of the show. Oh, yeah. Alrighty. So, yes, thank you for joining us. And I guess let's jump right into it. So your story is going to cover your transition from classics to comedy, the Phil Stamato story. Um, so just start in the beginning. Start from the beginning. It's the best place to start. Sure. In the beginning, as I always like to say, in the beginning, there was the word and the word was from God. and The word was God. Uh, and then my family moved to upstate New York. <laughs> um, I studied Latin when I was in high school and uh, I got really into Latin and Greek while I was in there because I had a really amazing teacher. Because of that, because he was too good of a teacher, I then spent an entire decade studying Latin and Greek. Wow, that is which, a really good teacher. Yeah, really effectively good teacher. So I ended up getting like really, I used to come home every single day from school and regale my parents with stories that I learned from my teacher, Mr. Highland. Shout out, Mr. Highland. Shout out. <laughs> and he, uh, and I would just like tell them stories and they were like, you should pursue this as far as you can. And the only career options for Latin really are teacher, which yes. makes sense. Uh, the last, you know, you can't really be an, an emperor anymore, but uh, 
not not in any official sense, you know. Yeah, and it's not but, something uh, you can. Emperor isn't something you can really work your way up to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just far too competitive these days. <laughs> um, you know, so, so I, you I love wanted to be Latin. A teacher. How was that? So you love Latin. I love Latin, and so I wanted to be a teacher. I go to college. I love Latin even more in college. I get really, I got really sucked into this thing for a while called Neo Latin, uh, and there's a whole community on the internet of people who write and speak Latin with each other, like a more modernized version of it, so it you know, has modern work. And uh, if you were to go on YouTube and look up uh, Philippus Noster, I, had a, I have a couple of ukulele songs I translated into Latin. Okay. So, so you were time. part of this neo movement here? Yeah, You got exactly. into it? And there's kind of like a, a guy who was one of my favorite bloggers in Latin to follow. His name was Nemo Udes, which means nobody, nobody in Latin and Greek. Oh, deep. Yeah. And uh, I just got really into that for a while. And I was like, I, I ended up not getting into any programs after I graduated from undergrad. So I was terrified. And my dad pointed out this thing called a post-fac that I could do at Columbia. And so I moved to New York City to just basically what that is. You just take classes at a prestigious institution. Oh, nice. And uh, yeah, and it was cool. Like I did get a lot more insight into what academia is. And most importantly, learned that maybe it's not for me. Right. Yeah, I guess you have to get to a certain level before you realize this is a lot of books. Yeah, it's it's and it's like so. Yeah, pretty much. It's just like a lot of books and just you don't necessarily get to just burst in doing exactly what you want to do. You know, you spend a lot of years. Yeah, but that's like everything. Lot. You got to build that base before you can right. do all the fun stuff. And so that was kind of it was kind of it, but I did get really good at it for a while and then the thing that really shook me from it cuz I did like improve and the prospect of like getting into a PhD program did become a real prospect for me. But then, and then this is my favorite part of the story, I had a meeting with my advisor who is a delightfully strange Welshman named Gareth Williams and he said stuff that stuck with me in a very angry sense for several years until I realized that what he was saying was actually extremely nice. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. One of but those gurus. Yeah, it's one of those gurus, like a classic thing. They give you the good advice, but you're, you're too young to know what they mean, or you don't know right. that they're right, but they have been right all along. Right. It's like when you said kill my family, you meant it metaphorically. I get it. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Damn it. Always. No. So he um, sat down with me and he said, Philip, um, what is it exactly that you would like to do? And uh, I said, uh, you know, I give a general response like I would like to teach classics at a higher level. I really like kind of modernizing ancient stories and putting them in contexts that make sense to the students that I'm transferring them. To. And he gave this kind of, he just kind of went like, hmm, yes. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, Philip. Have you ever considered being a detective? <laughs> and I was like, what? And he was like, yes, a detective, Phil. You're a smart young man with a good degree from a good institution. We all support you. I just wonder what the NYPD would do with your application. <laughs> Which, I, there's no real response. I was not anticipating that direction for conversation. Yeah, I did not see how that links to being good at Latin. Right. And uh, so I just kind of stared at him blankly. And he went, okay, or maybe something else. You know, maybe... And then this is exactly what he said. He goes, maybe start a business with your friends selling silly walking canes to old people. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Which, I just love this man. Million dollar uh, idea? Yeah, I was like, well, I've been doing that for years, Gary. <laughs> uh, he was like, selling silly walking canes. And then I didn't have actually any response to that. And he just went, or open a bar. I don't know, Philip. All I'm saying is you're young and you can go out. And you can try anything. You can always come back to classics. Maybe just go out and, uh, and see what the world has to offer. Ah, yes. The old throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. I mean, that's right. just good advice, right? That's just good general life advice. Oh, it's fantastic advice. Well, in like way more so than I even appreciated at all. Well, what happened at the time, I was angry, like super angry, because I thought basically I didn't yell at him or anything. I was just angry inside. But I kind of felt like he was being like, Philip. Classics doesn't want you, and nobody likes you, and you're a failure. Now go home. You know, basically, is kind of what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's not at all what he said, but that's what I heard. But like, what I realized is like, yeah, exactly. He's like, you know, there's enough people. You, you know, I was 24 years old at the time. My entire experience had been that I studied Latin and I loved Latin and I was going into it. And that shouldn't be the only thing that carries me into classics. You know, go out there and develop a life worth talking about. Do something more exciting. You know, just go out and get other experiences. Yeah. You know, Could academics 
is an interesting field, but it shouldn't be populated only by people who have only ever experienced that thing. You know, they should have world yeah. experience. Need more Indiana Joneses. Right, exactly. He was telling me, go out there, steal all the artifacts from <laughs> India that you can. Yeah, go battle Nazis, <laughs> then come back and get tenure. Steal the silly walking cane. <laughs> it all comes back to walking canes. So you so, left the meeting and you're like, forget you, Gareth. Exactly. It's something like that. Uh, and, uh, you know, I met up with a bunch of my friends. We talked about it and they were all nice and consoling. And then I graduated. I got my MA. That was cool. Congratulations. And while I was in line, how was that? Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> you know, what a useful degree it's been. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm, while I was in line at graduation, I actually ended up meeting the woman who is now my girlfriend. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. That is... That is cool. Yeah. It's the very definition of, of kismet or fate or, or something. I don't yeah, know. It's like it's literally that. the last day you could meet <laughs> another student yeah. at your school. Yeah, it's wild. It was it was pretty cool. Like I think we were both we're both really into the story, but we can't tell it too often because if you do then it's It loses coming. something. So can we get <laughs> a brief tangent Cole's notes version of it? You're standing there, you drop your <laughs> gown. Or you drop your hat. <laughs> drop trowel <laughs> because you're ready to streak as you always do when you graduate. Yeah. Yeah. Can you give us a brief synopsis? Great pleasure. I was standing in the the line segments for like walking and graduation were organized by the name of the field that you were getting a degree in, and so I was standing in classics, and I was also the only person standing under the classics insignia. <laughs> no one else wants a master's degree in classics. How weird. So I'm standing by classics, uh, and next to me is. Uh, climate, climate and society, which is what she got her degree in. And, uh, you know, she walks up, we look at each other and we're standing there for a while. And she said something to me along the lines of just like, it looks like, well, our, you know, you're going to be taken over by my, my department or something along those lines. And I made a joke back saying like, well, what would I do with that? degree and i've got this good classics degree to use uh and and there was much chuckling amongst us and uh then we just chatted and it went pretty well while we were sitting in the rows for the, all the graduation speeches i noticed she sent me a friend request on facebook because i kind of dropped my name a couple of times maybe <laughs> maybe not super on purpose <laughs> smooth yeah maybe i gave her a couple of business cards and all my urls i don't know I, maybe i gave her a signed autograph no. you got uh, the she... immediate facebook friend ad before you're even done the conversation facebook ad yeah that's a good sign so yeah it was exactly and i was like you know she's cute that was neat she sent me a friend request i've been trying to date for a long time on online apps and that was a real no-go for me uh, i was going through a real pretentious period of my life and so that <laughs> That's, uh, that's totally why all your profiles 100 percent in latin and no one can read them yeah i was like uh none of you are educated enough to converse with me in latin the woman who is for me will be able to understand my bio <laughs> yeah clearly that's that's what i was holding out for you know but luckily but, uh, you bumped into uh, this person in line yeah, Caitlin is her name. Uh, and, uh, Caitlin. And we, uh, immediately became Facebook friends, hit it off right away, which is a great sign. Yeah, exactly. And so with that, you know, good kind of omen in the beginning, I sent her a message when I got back to the my apartment and it was like, hey, nice meeting you. What do you say we meet up for drinks, maybe food, and talk about our shiny new degree? Smooth. Uh, which is a, not, a, not a stellar message, but I really thought about it for a while. <laughs> oh, nice. You had a, you had a draft. Oh, yeah, Work, yeah, I had, working yeah, draft. Being like, yeah, this is fine. I think this projects who I am. Or, yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm the kind of guy who says things like shiny new degrees. You know? Shiny new degrees. Uh, Are we going with that? Are we going with that? Yeah. Shiny new yeah, degrees. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> consulted with several people <laughs> and then we did and the first date itself went well but this cut this is where it cuts back into the comedy story pretty seamless how i how i've constructed this here. great segue yeah so we met up at a nice place in midtown on the along the water we're talking i was feeling like directionless because now this entire thing that had controlled who i thought i was going to be when i grew up uh being a professor was suddenly no longer the controlling aspect of my personality. And so I was just personality-less. Um, <laughs> but what was cool is on our first date, we did kind of talk about, that opened me up to talk about things that weren't necessarily classics. And we just had a really good conversation, mostly about comedy and how much we loved comedy. And I mentioned that I really wanted to try stand-up comedy. And like New York was like a great place to do that. And I'm like, 20, blah, blah, blah. She was really supportive and encouraging. So that was cool. That's the best. And so, yeah, 
uh, we went on a couple dates more. It went well. We're still together. In fact, I just moved in. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's quite a process. That's a big step. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think you were talking about how you have to consolidate and pare down your stuff because you have two yeah. people's worth of stuff in a one and a half person size apartment, probably. Exactly. Two people's worth of stuff and then some. Like two people's worth of stuff and then also strange artifacts that we've collected throughout our lives that we definitely don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somehow you accumulate all this stuff and now you yeah. have to go through the process of like, oh, do I really need this stuffed Mr. T? Like, right. uh, well, yes, <laughs> yeah, of course like, I do. Yeah. She's like, why do you have all these boxes full of silly old walking canes? I don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The walking canes got to go. It's got to. Uh, and I'm like, that's my next. That's my way in. Anyway, yeah. That's brother. our million dollar. That's our ticket out of here, baby. Yeah, clearly she's missing the big picture. No. <laughs> okay, so you're together, you're on several dates, you're talking about starting comedy. Right. And uh, with that encouragement, I went out. And uh, the story, as I have found out over the last, I've been doing comedy now for four, four whole years. Nice. And uh, the story I've that basically underlies my initiation into comedy is actually a lot of people have the same sort of concept, which is, I went to a couple of open mics, and I just watched them. I just sat in the back and watched the open mics, and everybody was terrible because open mics are horrible. Yes. And I was like, I can also be really terrible. I can go up there and, <laughs> and be horrible. And, uh, and so I did, and uh, here I am today being slightly, hopefully, less horrible. <laughs> Hooray. Yeah. How did it go your first time? Do you remember? Uh, it was really great, actually. It was really supportive. Uh, I went to these these mics in New York City that are really great for people who are just starting out, particularly called Laughing Buddha. And uh, I went up and I I went up and I was like, "This is my first time," and everybody started chanting, "One of us, one of us," <laughs> and uh, and that was really nice. And then I told I have this like whole five minute bit planned out that I can't do anything with anymore because it was a terrible bit. But I had it. I had been thinking about it really since. So ever since I moved to New York and I was like, I'm going to do comedy here someday, even though I'm going to be a professor, I want to try stand up at least once. And uh, so it was like a bit that I had from real life, just telling stories at parties and stuff. Mm-hmm. And what was the bit? What was it? About? Uh, it's to, to, to give it in brief. Yeah, uh, it was about how I was walking down the street and I saw these people who were evangelizing for some Christianity thing. And they called themselves at their table was a big sign. It said the Bible crusade. Right. And <laughs> the whole point of my bit basically was like, you can't just like make a cause, but also reference the most horrific event in that causes history. Yeah. They already did one. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, <laughs> they, were, they had the Bible crusade already happened. And taken. It, <laughs> thousands of people died. Uh, and so I try, I was just like, what if there was one for the Quran and it was called the Quran Jihad basically. And everyone was supportively like, ah. <laughs> everyone's like, he's new. This is his first time. <laughs> yeah. And that bit didn't follow me around for much longer. I, I started doing other things that were also terrible. Like the first year of my comedy, I listened to those recordings of my open mics and just, I am so sad if anybody formed a real opinion based on who I am in, those, in that year. <laughs> a little cringeworthy, but, but that is everybody's story. Uh, you know, everyone starts out having a tough time with it and you really have to, yeah, grind it out to learn how to do your voice and all that good comedy stuff, right? Absolutely, yeah. All the hard lessons you learn in the streets of New York City. (laughs) Yeah, well, man, let me tell you, yeah, there's plenty of them. I went through all the most uh, basic ones for comedy real early on. I'm glad I got those out of the way. Yeah, do you have uh, any notable notable stories about your time in the mean streets of the Big Apple? Mean streets of New York? I uh, just, I would say the most, um, the greatest comedy trauma... uh, (laughs) Kind of comes from it's a it's a it's a a matter of duration, not really like one moment that you can really distill it to. Mm. I did this thing that's called barking. Yes, and, uh, it's what dogs do, but also what new comics do. Uh, yes. So for the listeners, that's when you go out uh, and you have flyers, or you're on the street trying to drum up business for the old comedy club. Exactly, and uh, and so I would just stand out on the streets and. It gets so tiresomely repetitive. Say, hey, free comedy show. And your voice becomes this horrible parody of what a hack comedian sounds like for some reason. Like throughout advertising your show, you'll you'll start off being like, "Uh, free comedy show tonight. Come on, check it out. And by the end of like (laughs) two hours, you're like, free comedy show. Your voice has to do that to survive. Yeah, exactly. It just becomes unintelligibly hacky somehow. So you're barking. The, The process of that is so 
stuff, like just soul sucking. Like, cause you're just standing there and not only are people are ignoring you and you are trying to kind of engage them, but you're also battling with this thing where it's like, I know this is annoying and I have to participate in it. Yeah. And then even worse is when people try to engage with you, but they're like mean for no reason. <laughs> not no reason. They're in New York City. Yeah. Yeah, they're mean because it's New York City and everyone's like walking around here. You gotta be a certain level of mean just to survive. Decades of hate. <laughs> yeah. So, so people just kind of, uh, like, I, I, I wish I had a better specific example, but people just unleash on you just this angry <laughs> thing that you dare to speak to them in public. And, uh, you know, like, I could do comedy, I could go up there. That's the one you hear the most and it's the most <laughs> upsetting. Or it's like, I, you know, I'm a comedian at home. You know, it's like, oh my God, please. <laughs> People who suggest how to, how you should be barking instead were like, you should put on a big costume. And I'm like. Yeah, you ever get one of those big signs? You get the big sign and you spin that <laughs> sign and then I will come to your comedy show. You should become one of those giant inflatable arm flailing things. Why don't yeah. you do that? <laughs> you ever think about getting into silly canes? Yeah. I'm Gareth, why do you follow me everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> he just shows up and he's trying to tell you. Yeah. So, yeah, barking is soul crushing. You're You're dealing with the throng of the populace of New York city every right. day, just the crush of people. And you're trying to get one or two people <laughs> just to please come and see a comedy show. Exactly. And then to top it all off, the show that you're barking for, you get time to go on. You're allowed to go up for five whole minutes at the very end of the show, which I might add is a far too long of a show. It is, Usually like a two-hour show. I'd say most people's attention spans cap out at like one hour. Right. So it's just cruelly too long. So by the time you're up, nobody's paying attention. Everybody's tired. They realize the drinks are too expensive. Nobody wants to be there or pay for more drinks. Mm-mm. And then you get to go up there and be like, I'm dorky and people don't like me. Or, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, uh, and they're like, that's that guy who made me come here. Yeah, exactly. And so then you're just this avatar for them of, of – the thing that is causing their current plight and you're there for five minutes and no one likes you or God forbid they verbally acknowledge that they don't like you. Oh, talking about hecklers. Oh, I don't have great heckler stories to be perfectly honest, except the one, the biggest hecklers in my life have been people who are really into my act. Actually, they really like it and they just keep contributing (laughs) to it too much. They're like, I'm helping. Yeah, but they always think it's helpful. And on one case, uh, well, actually in two cases, were delightful old women who felt great sympathy for me. <laughs> That's the um, problem, the empathy heckle. <laughs> yeah, where it's just like, I can't even be mad at you. You just feel bad for me, which I guess that's nice. Yeah, so, it's better than the angry heckle, but it's not much better. <laughs> yeah, precisely. I had I had a old, there was like an elderly black woman in the in one, when I was still barking. So it was at the end of the night and she was in the club. And I was doing my act. And again, this was in my first year of comedy. So I don't fault her at all for her critique. But her critique was right after one of my jokes bombed, she went, oh, darling, you, she goes, oh, darling, you corny. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I didn't have anything for that. I just trembled and looked at my hand to see what joke was next. And it kind of recovered because I looked at my hand and everyone could see it. And I went, oh, weird. All over my hand, it just says, you can do it. Don't worry. And, uh, <laughs> and that kind of pulled me out of it. Uh, it wasn't the best joke. but Yeah, that's that. the whole thing, right? That's one of the little lessons. You got to learn how to bounce right back, sort of water off the duck's back of uh, the right. heckle from the, the nice heckle from the lady. <laughs> She's like, yeah. Oh, oh, sweetie. Yeah, exactly. Or it's like, yeah, exactly. She just, just feels feel bad. bad. I had a British woman. <laughs> My other favorite is there was a British woman who just I said a joke and this is like more recently in my career. So my jokes are doing fine. But like one of my jokes does end on a kind of a sad note and people laughed. And then when the like laughter disappeared, just this British woman in the back went, oh, daddy, (laughs) which is I didn't I've never heard that phrase before. Oh, daddy. And so I I was like, what is daddy? And she's like, oh, darling. It just means, oh, dearie. Yeah. I feel very bad for you. And I was just like, well, thank you. That's why I'm here. Really just sympathy. And it went well. But Great. Yeah. So now you're four years in doing comedy. Uh, you moved away from classics a little bit into the more comedy sphere. And sort of that brings us up to present day from your, your tale. Indeed. And now I'm uh, the mayor of New York City. So Woo! here we are in my penthouse. Yeah. Ban those large sodas. Was that you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's been my campaign since the beginning. 
Pretty good. You know, I can get behind that. Well, thank you very much, Phil, for that lovely tale. Uh, and everyone should now know and empathize with you and your life's uh, work. Very yeah, gladly. Lovely. So now we move on to Phil's favorite tweets. Hell yeah. This is the tweet from Phil Stamato. Wow. You want to talk about that? You have that as your name uh, on Twitter. It's Phil Stamato. And then in brackets or in parentheses, <laughs> wow. Yeah. I. Uh, that's just because I, uh, whatever, Twitter feeds into some weird things where I just feel bad all the time about uh, myself. I hate mm-hmm. it. But also love it. It's hard to get around it, you know? So that wow thing was kind of born after, like, me being, like, when people get notifications that I like their tweet, and it's like, Phil Stamato liked their tweet. I imagine that they're just like, who's <laughs> Phil Stamato? Right. So I was like, what if I made it so that when they read my name, they had to be like, Phil Stamato, wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is perfect. It, do- it yeah. works every single time I see it come up. I'm like, Phil Stamato, Wow. Wow, this is really turning my day around. Yeah. I like my tweets. When you get one of those premium notifications, that's what you do it for. Exactly. Okay, so your first tweet that you have selected is, uh, it's a conversation between Ares and Zeus, uh, as you would, right? Classics. So So the tweet is, Greek gods prepping for a night out. Ares says, flannel shirt it is. Zeus, what are you wearing? Zeus is a swan. Aries is like, huh? And then Zeus is a swan. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a classic Zeus being a swan because he takes on the form of animals. Right. And that's what he's wearing. He's uh, pulling a Bjork. Is this like a Bjork reference? Uh, No, no Bjork intended. Uh, I was going for (laughs) Lady Gaga, actually. Uh, Uh, Meat dress. (laughs) Absolutely. So this one uh, obviously tickles your fancy of the, the Greek gods, right? So definitely into your classics knowledge. Oh, yeah. It's it's based on there's um so like Zeus in all of mythology, like the main thing he seems to do a lot is he gets with women, lots of them, most of them, not his wife. And but he always takes on the form of an animal when he does it for some reason. Like he can't just be like, you know, Zeus, king of the gods. Like that's not enough. Yeah. For some reason. You can't just show up as Zeus. Yeah, exactly. It's like Paparazzi like, be like, on him. Why do you have to be an animal? Yeah, so he uh, takes on the form of an animal, and uh, one of them is uh, he takes on the form of a swan, and he, he gets with this uh, figure named Leda. And I just love the idea of Ares and Zeus like prepping for like a night out, like the rose night out of the town. Yeah, so this is the and before. Is like, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, the before, the pregame, and Zeus is just the swan the whole time getting ready. <laughs> yeah, he's ready. Ares is like combing his hair, and he's like, what are you wearing? Are you ready? And Zeus is ready to go, already just a swan. Yeah, like yeah, this is it, man. What are you What are you talking about? <laughs> Presumably, a very swan. cool swan, right? To be able to pull like that. Yeah, it's like a swan, but with sunglasses on. That's so what I cool. imagine it. Yeah, <laughs> just like the coolest swan doesn't even need to say anything. Just sort of walks in, and all the ladies start swooning. Exactly, they all start swanning, huh? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that uh, lovely tweet. Um, the next Phil Stamato wow tweet that I will read is this one. There is an alternate universe where there's a band called Blink One, another with Blink Two, etc. And we are just Blink Universe number 182. Hell yeah. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Twitter user Mark Hoppus, <laughs> who is now part of uh, the Twitter retweet community. Uh, so shout out to that. And Blink-182, obviously one of my favorite bands growing up as a wee punk dude in the in the early 2000s. <laughs> early 2000s, that's hard to abbreviate. <laughs> is the aughts. Um, so yeah, how'd you come up with that? I guess this is sort of uh, string theory or something. Yeah, I was just hanging out in the shower thinking about alternate universes. Uh, you know, that's what I think we all do, right? And yeah. uh, and uh, this is a re- this is one of those shower tweets where you have it and then you take the shower and you're like, I can't forget this. And then you get out and you're like, I need a computer <laughs> or a phone immediately. Mm-hmm. The world must know of my brilliance. And I just thought, I was like, why is it Blink-182? What's the origin of that? And I was like, also, were there like Blinks 1 through 181 all the way through that? Yeah, the classic, will I, will I understand Blink-182 if I haven't heard Blinks 1 through 181? Right. And I also just loved the idea that, like, alternate universe theories are so much fun. They're my favorite tweets every time because it's always absurd and ridiculous, but technically possibly true. You can't forget. Right? It's totally uh, so possible. 
as funny as it is to be like, there's a universe where it's a Blink-182 and there's a universe where it's Blink-69 you know, or something silly. Like, that's real. Like, there could be yeah, an alternate universe. Yeah, Stephen Hawking in here? He's like, yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I should tweet that at Neil deGrasse Tyson, see if he, uh, if he supports the theory. Well, he can't debunk <laughs> it, I don't think. I think this yeah. is backed by science. Exactly. CC Mark Hoppins. <laughs> Okay, so we are in Blink Universe 182. Yeah. And the third and final Phil Stomato wow tweet. Flutes used to be made out of bones, so technically they're the most badass instrument of all. He mumbled from inside his locker. Hell yeah. <laughs> so this is a good one. It's uh it's more it's writing. It's like classically written. Uh, yeah. a lot of these tweets are sort of formats uh where you're like this person says this, this person says that. But this one is written like it's a book. And that's great. Right. I love those ones. And Bat Karen does too. So, I, uh, yeah, I tried, tell us about I, it. I tried to make that like a, a dialogue treat like several times, but like every single time I made it into a dialogue-y thing, it just kind of looked overburdened by too much text or whatever. So it just kind of came out that way more formally. Beautiful. I love to hear the process when uh, it starts as one thing, ends up as another, and here we are with mumbling from inside the locker that's the punchline and i hope that speaks to everybody i don't if you're ever under like something really dorky sincerely that's my favorite thing about other nerdy people like people in classics and stuff like that is everybody who loves the thing they love feels like it's like actually a really cool thing and people just don't understand (laughs) yes Uh, and so in the meanwhile you're being stuffed in a locker but you're like no flutes are so cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a classic uh nerd trope but you know it's right so that does sound cool have you ever played a bone flute (laughs) never played a bone flute but they did uh, the word for flutes in latin is tibia and that's the word for your tibia because it wasn't made out of tibia (laughs) that is straight up the same (laughs) yeah which is pretty metal man you know (laughs) yeah that is pretty badass so thank you for educating us on uh, the history of flutes beautiful now we come to phil's picks from others and so the first tweet i have here is from sun Tzu fun Tzu on twitter and his tweet is like this what if waldo finds me first I ask naively. Grandma closes the book. The blood drains from her face. Don't let that happen, she <laughs> warns. <laughs> I love that so much. Classic Sun Tzu Fun Tzu. Yeah. I just love the ones that are just like such, that take something so stupid and silly and turn it into something potentially like life-threatening. <laughs> yeah, like the blood drains from her face. <laughs> it's like incredibly serious, this grandma. Oh, it's so good. Don't let it happen. <laughs> it's a warning. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a good one. Uh, Sun Tzu Fun Tzu. Uh, that's S-U-N-T-Z-U-F-U-N-T-Z-U on Twitter. So, um, I guess you're pals with uh, Sun Tzu Fun Tzu. Pretty nice guy. I'm uh, not, actually. I never actually interacted with him in any personal level outside. I just like him and responded to some of his tweets. Oh, great. So, yeah, he's a uh, he tweets a lot of uh, sort of strange and weird stuff. But, right down uh, my alley. Though. I love those. Everyone, check that out. Um, do you have the tweets in front of you? Perhaps maybe get you to read one of these. Oh yeah, gladly. The next one is from another account that I'm uh, a fan of, from Warm Yellow Light. Some days I'm all sound of a fluffy cloud violently smashing into a mountain. Other days I'm sound of crocodiles gently eating a mitten. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. A lot of really great imagery in this one. Yeah. A fluffy cloud violently smashing into a mountain. <laughs> and then also crocodiles gently eating a mitten. Crocodiles it's, it's, gently eating, which doesn't make any sense. And a mitten. <laughs> so just picture them like, yeah, just gnawing on it lightly. I think it's, I mean, it's, it's just funny imagery to begin with. But then it's also like it does actually have a funny kind of relatable point where it's like sometimes I just feel like I'm full of a weird, contradictory, unnameable feeling. <laughs> where you're like yeah. two feelings that kind of collide you know yeah so great imagery and it really yeah captures that feeling the uncapturable feeling of life so thank you at warm yellow light uh, everyone definitely check out that person they yeah. are very good so the final tweet you have selected from literally hundreds of tweets you could have selected so i uh, and this one's not funny i just uh, i i think it's 
it interacts with a classical reference, and uh, it interacts with one of my favorite points in classical mythologies, and uh, she just put it together really well. I think it was part of a larger context, but this is from Space Girl. I am Space Girl. And uh, it just says, it's not funny at all, so I'm sorry about that, everybody listening, but it just says, uh, Daedalus follows the trail of feathers out to sea, pressing each wet, each wet fragment of memory to his lips before sinking with the setting sun. Ooh, Sky painting the picture with her words. Very poetic. Yeah. Very poetic. So uh, what are the references here that we're missing? <laughs> so this is, it's from Daedalus and Icarus. And, and that myth gets really um, condensed a lot. So we just, it doesn't convey the same emotions that it used to a long time ago. Right, and so it's the, always been one of the most emotionally resonant myths to me because you have this when you when you see the whole story, Daedalus is trapped in a tower on Crete with his son Icarus, and he's painted in all the myths as this like really lovable dad, who like really just loves his kid, and his kid is an adorable child who's like curious and running around and playing and just doing what kids do, and you watch this trajectory where like. He builds these wings because Daedalus is a brilliant architect and kind of engineer. He builds these brilliant wings to help him and his son finally escape from the Tower of Evil King Minos. And they fly out and he says, Icarus, who, again, is an adorable little kid, so it's hard to get kids to do what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. He says, just don't fly too close to the sun because, you know, the thing holding this together is wax. That's all I could get in this tower. So don't fly too close to the sun or else it'll melt. And Icarus flies up. They both fly and they're having a great time. Uh, Daedalus is, you know, leading the way because he knows where to go. If you get the whole story, there's all these beautiful scenes of him floating out under the night sky and pointing out constellations to his son, which is also really heartwarming. Just being a good dad. Being a really good dad. I love it. And then the sun comes up and Icarus gets carried away and he starts flying towards the sun. But <clears throat> it's been a while. Daedalus wasn't looking back. He turns around and he sees his son falling to earth, which is, and then all the dialogues and all the myths especially Ovid's. I love Ovid the most of all. really gives you the kind of what's called, in, not to use a really pretentious term, pathos, like the um, real emotional experience of suffering of Daedalus calling out to his son and hoping that he won't fall, and he does. And, um, and, then, and then this is what her thing actually kind of refers to in a way that I love, is all the myths cover, like Daedalus crops up in all these other stories as this man who is just ruined by trying to escape from the tower, and then once he did... Um, he could never really move on because he misses his son. And uh, I just, it's uh, its really beautiful. Yeah, that's great. And it sort of is like the, I don't know, um, the lesson, eternal lesson of like, no matter how much you, you know, you're watch after your kids, at some point they're going to have to go out on their own and you can't always protect them. So it's sort of yeah. like a eternal lesson uh, in this, in these tales, right? Yeah. There's um, uh, one other good heart, heart moving uh depiction of Daedalus is in the Aeneid where like uh, the main character arrives in Italy and he goes to this temple and Daedalus arrived in this version of mythology. They all have different versions. It's like the comic book universe. You can kind of do whatever you want. <laughs> and in this version of that universe, he Daedalus made it to Italy and he erected a temple to his son and uh, well, not to his son. He, he erected a temple to like the local Sybil, the God, basically their God, but he was decorating the front doors of the temple um, by like hammering out on bronze um, little scenes of what happened to him in Icarus. So being building the labyrinth and then the labyrinth goes awry and Theseus comes and screws it up and then he gets trapped in the castle and he escapes the castle. And and then this is where it's beautiful. The way it's depicted in, in the Latin, he like hammers once while well, he starts depicting his son falling from the sky and it's and it's harder to bring his hammer back out the second time, but he hammers it down a second time. But by the time he brings it back for the third strike, he can't bring himself to do it, and he drops the hammer, and he never completes it. Oh, because he's too emotionally wrought. Uh, yeah, there's an emo kid that lives deep inside me, and he'll <laughs> never leave me. But, uh, well, well, thank you for that backstory of that. Uh, hopefully everyone uh, checks out the Daedalus Tales. Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, selecting those tweets. Very good. And uh, definitely, everyone, follow all the people whose tweets uh, Phil selected. They're some of the best. And now we turn to Twitter for questions. And the first question comes from the lovely at Markedly 
Mark McGark. Everyone check out Making Friends with Mark McGark at McGarkPod on Twitter. One of the best. Big fan. He asks uh, five questions. So let's take these one at a time. Question number one. Why are you so smart? That's a hard one to answer. Uh, but uh, here's the thing. As the smartest man alive, if I were to answer that question, I would uh, erase all of humanity. So, uh, wow. I'm afraid I can't answer it. Well, I have a lot yeah, of follow-ups. I know. It's but, a heavy uh, burden to bear. <laughs> I don't think you'll answer them. Yeah. Um, okay. I would just assume a lot of schooling. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, I don't uh, – I, I, I've had people – People, I think, know my background in studies, and they're like, you must be super smart. And most of the time, I feel kind of dumb, uh, so it's confusing to me. But uh, that's, I think, how life works <laughs> or something. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I've had a lot of book learning. Yeah, you're book learned. Yeah. It's pretty good. All right, question number two from Mark McGark. How many languages can you understand? Not speak. Understand. Which is uh, a good distinction to make, actually, because uh, really getting to that point of speaking it is a very different, uh, that's the hardest part of it all, right? Oh, for sure. And um, I think you demonstrated a very good ability to sort of read it out loud um, at the beginning. Uh, so what is it? Two? Three? Sixteen? Um, so I've got English, and oh. uh, I can read and understand Latin. Nice. And uh, produce it, too. Yeah, I can write it. And can you make up new words? Because you were talking about these neo-Latin people. Like, what's the Latin word for YouTube? What's the Latin word for Twitter? What's the Latin right. word for retweet? Like, it seems like there's a lot of opportunities for someone totally. to, like, you know, pen a new Latin dictionary. Or, like, right. the Latin and, urban dictionary. Yeah, and there's, there's like, enough Latin out there in the world to create new things. So, like, a tweet in Latin is a pipiatio. Oh, what? Just like, <laughs> Pipiatio. Yeah, it sounds a little, uh, yes. a little dubious, huh? But I mean, it's like it's related to, to peep, you know? Right. Um, tweet, but, like uh, peep, peep a tweet. Yeah. Peep a tweet. Peep that tweet. But other stuff is pretty straightforward. It's like YouTubers. <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> you just have to add OS on it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Facebookus. Facebookus. Facebookus Maximus. <laughs> um, All right, but, well, uh, that's good to know. So many languages. Yeah, I would, uh, well. So just to quickly enumerate them, it's English, Latin, Greek, modern Greek, French, Italian, and uh, yeah, I'll leave it there because like, I used to be able to know more, but then I've, those have disappeared from my abilities. Molto bene. Très bon. Si. Si, molto bene. Nice. Uh, That's very good. Um, So the third question from Mark is Catholicism? Boy, you know, I think that's the best question of all. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure exactly how to respond to it. I, uh, I... Catholicism, great question. I love, I had so many sentences to begin with. Um, I, I went to Catholic school my whole life. One thing that you hear a lot is anyone who goes to Catholic school usually ends up not liking Catholicism. Mm -hmm. And I was one of those. I, I got, I, I really hated it. The more time I spend away from it and the more stuff about Catholicism I read by people who are like more thoughtful about it mm -hmm. than maybe the nuns and priests that I had. The more I, I kind of actually think it's pretty cool. I'm not religious personally, but, you know, Catholicism has some interesting elements to it. So the answer is, has some interesting elements to it. Yeah. Yeah. Like they got that smoky swing on a chain thing. Yeah. Honestly, that's what I was talking about. That's pretty much it. That's I'm really pretty much my favorite thing about Catholicism, <laughs> too. Uh, the first time I saw that, it's like a pole with a chain and then like a little lantern that like, is on fire and they smoke up the church. I don't yeah. know what it is. I don't know what it does, but I'm down for it. Everybody's super high. It's weak. <laughs> yeah. And then munch, munch <laughs> down on the body of Christ. Everyone yep. gets the munchies. Yeah. Uh, and get uh, a sip of wine. Why not get this party started? Exactly. So yeah, like thirsty and stuff, you know, can't be, can't be all bad. I mean, right. The fourth question. Is it fun writing for split cider? Uh, yes, by and large. By uh, and large. By lines and large lines. By lines and large lines, yeah. It's cool. I think the part I enjoy the most about it is when I'm done with working on, an, <laughs> like, editing an interview and stuff, and it goes up. <laughs> yes, that satisfaction. But, yeah, all the, as a person who edits interviews and, and podcasts, your stuff, you, you're aware with the work that goes into this. Oh, for sure. And it does feel good getting that episode posted with no errors. <laughs> right. Whenever that happens. Um, 
Yeah. And so that can be overwhelming, but the, the feeling of the finished product is really great. I really appreciate I like that a lot. Yeah, that is good. And I guess you get to, you know, see comedy from different angles and really uh, analyze it. And we know from your earlier story that you're super into that, as am I. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's really um, very cool. Uh, Split Cider, a cool publication. I definitely check it out uh, on the regular. Thank you. And we come to Mark's fifth and final question. What is kissing? Yeah, you know, I'm glad he asked that. I've been trying to figure that one out for years. No idea, to be honest. <laughs> you and Mark both. I don't know if I've ever seen it or, you know. All but, right, well, uh, I guess they'll just have to agree to not know. So exactly. You're asking the wrong guy, Mark. Asking the <laughs> wrong guy. Never uh, kissed. <laughs> Man, never, never done kissed. any kissing. Done, I'm not going to lie. I've done some smooching, but never any kissing. Right. So. Well, a smooch is better than a kiss. Smooch is way better than a kiss, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Mark, for those questions. Definitely everyone follow at Markedly on Twitter and check out his podcast, Making Friends with Mark McGark. Next question comes from the Timmy Toes, friend of the show, Timmy. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Hello. Shout out to Timmy. Uh, Can't wait to get him on. And the questions that he asks are, what's the best live performance you've ever been to? He qualifies this. Music. Stage. Etc. Okay. Yeah, it was really good. It wasn't just the man I watched have a mental breakdown in public. That yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that, that is included. It's under the etc. But yeah. Right. Well, great question. Great I question. um honestly, when I was when I was in college, well, like early in college, like late high school, I was really into ska, <laughs> mm-hmm. me, whatever you want to do. Uh, and I got to go see Catch Twenty Two. Ah, uh, yes. One, two, three, four. Yeah. One, two, three, four. Yeah, and I it was the it's, Scott is so fun to see live. Skanking is really fun. You get to dance uh, and move around and hear the music. So Catch Twenty Two, one of those. Wow, uh, Catch Twenty Two! Shout out, deep cut. Um, yeah. yeah, I uh, briefly dabbled in ska, and Catch Twenty Two had that track one two three four one two three four that I really enjoyed. Yeah. So shout out to Catch Twenty Two and all the ska fans out there. Skank away, oh. my friends. Yeah. You don't want to get kicked, though, right? Some yeah, people, you don't want to get kicked. you got to be real careful with it. When they're but. in the pit, they're going to punch and kick. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, uh, and Timmy, thank you for the question. Next question from Timmy is, which light switch is better, little nub or flat plate? This is the, this is the question that broke my family apart. <laughs> no, uh, I like the little nub because, you know, you can, it's, it's not ambiguous. You know it's there. You, you smash your hand against the wall and it's there. And plus... You can't accidentally smash your hand against it and change the light switch. Oh, true. Yeah, I never really thought about this until I got this question. Uh, I'm going to say little nub, too. Oh, yeah. Little nub. I'm glad we're amongst good people. (laughs) It's the only right answer. Right. I would kill for this. All right, cool. Well, um, I figured I would also recycle an old question from friend of the show, Space Cat at Catstronomical, because Sarah. Sarah asks the best questions, and whenever I don't get one from her, I kind of still want to get one from her. So sure. these are some questions from Sarah. Who are your favorite Twitter accounts and why? My favorite Twitter accounts and why? Good question. My favorite Twitter account, my own. No, I... Uh... <laughs> I really like uh, I really liked Ruse, so really would Danny at the really would friend of the show. Check him out, episode number two. He has some solid tweets out there. And incredibly Warm nice. Yellow light. <laughs> Warm so yellow light. Yeah, you picked her tweet as one of your picks. Yeah, she's. Uh, I, I kind of like what she does specifically because she doesn't necessarily always tweet just like jokes. They're they're like kind of narrative. Uh, about what's going on in her life but like in a not necessarily real way i don't know they're just really fun to follow yes at warm yellow light great pick so yeah thank you um that's great the second part of her question is what's something you've always wanted to do but you haven't got the chance to something i've always wanted to do but i haven't got the chance to that is the question posed by at catstronomical easy kill a drifter Kill a drifter. Well, no, something that you haven't got the chance to do. Oh, right. Sorry. Good point. Um, <laughs> Teasily enough, I think it would be skydiving. I always wanted to go skydiving. Sky yeah. So you think you would do that? You would jump out of a plane? You know, they, the parachute doesn't always open. Oh, boy. I guess probably a part of the thrill, but uh, most of the time it does. It's like 99% of the time, right? Hopefully. Yeah. Is it? Yep. But okay. <laughs> like I said, not every time. 
Yeah. Not every time. Okay, so that's very cool. I don't know. I when I was younger, I think I wanted to more, and now uh, as I'm older, I'm like, uh, better not risk it. <laughs> sure. Uh, okay, and she also asks, embarrassing story. Embarrassing story. Maybe uh, maybe oh, not this, too embarrassing. This one time, I studied Latin and Greek for ten years. Now, um, oh no, that's nothing gets more embarrassing than that. Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. Pretty classic embarrassment. Um, yeah, a lot of embarrassing stories. Uh, mostly every time I get drunk and then speak. I hate I, drinking for me is a bad thing. Right. But uh, I just sound like an idiot. I'm going to go with, I got uh, the easiest one offhand. is just a classic when I was like 14 years old, having to go get a presentation in front of the class. Being a 14-year-old boy, I had a, a tiny but mighty mm. erection. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was... Um, Quite an embarrassment. I tried to conceal it by doing that thing where you like move your leg a little, but then I just kind of did, did a weird Captain Morgan <laughs> stamp. Yeah, you're doing the uh, Ashley Simpson <laughs> jig from SNL. <laughs> yeah, and somehow that just makes it way worse. <laughs> so yeah, there was no podium. I'm guessing there's no, uh, no desk yeah, or anything to, that you could. You're just out there. Yeah, no. I went up with like, yeah, like my papers for my presentation obviously trying to conceal that <laughs> yeah. and uh that looks supernatural <laughs> yeah exactly it's just like this isn't uh this isn't natural this isn't a thing a no- normal human does uh well there you go i think that definitely counts as an embarrassing story so thank you very much to everyone who has submitted questions you can submit a question at fots pod and it will be asked to a future guest so thank you to everyone and i guess that brings us to the end of the podcast so if yeah. there's anything that you would like to promote definitely uh everyone check out phil's writing on split cider and philstomato.com Oh, yeah. And I also uh, I got a, a cool comedy show in New York City. If you're ever passing through uh, and you're here on the last Friday of the month, um, I got a, a fun, cool underground comedy show called Nothing Important. And uh, that's at a place called Friends and Lovers. Very cool. Everyone check that out. New York City, the Big Apple. Yeah. Cool. So I guess that that's it. So uh, now without further ado, I will play the podcast music, which means the show is ending. So thank you, Phil. Hey, thank you. Uh, it was great, uh, and uh, hope to see you on the big uh, comedy stages in the near future. I hope to see myself there. That's right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and thanks everyone for listening. Catch you next time. Well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Phil. Be sure to follow at FOTS Pod and send a question for future guests. Thanks to Ruby Coast for providing the music. Please visit stephenwskinner.com for all the episodes, or subscribe and get a new episode delivered every Monday. Please follow at SkinnerSteven on Twitter, and thank you for listening. Have a great one.